Welcome to the Pursuit Friends Church Network of House Churches podcast. I'm the planner and lead pastor, Brian Donahue, and I'm joined by Kristen All, who is the director and pastor of Network Ministries. We're excited to share about what God is doing at Pursuit Friends Church as we build this network of house churches. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of how God is moving and working in our midst, updates and news on our progress, but we really want to focus on sharing what we are walking through from God's Word each week as a church family. So grab a cup of coffee, your Bible, and join Kristen and myself as we share how God is moving at Pursuit Friends Church and as we discuss what we learned from our Bible passage this week. We're glad you're here. Stay tuned. And welcome to episode nine of the Pursuit Friends Church podcast. I'm Brian Donahue, planner and lead pastor here at Pursuit, and I am so pleased that you chose to spend a few minutes with me today on this podcast as we read through and study God's Word together, as we give a few updates about what God is doing at Pursuit Friends Church, and uh, it's a good time it's a really good time to be a part of Pursuit. And if you are a part of Pursuit and are listening to this podcast, I just want to take a moment right from the beginning of today's episode and just thank you so much for your dedication uh, to this church and what God is doing. And even more than that, as a pastor and as a believer, I just want to thank you for your dedication to the mission of God. Your, your loyalty and your respect and, and your passion for what God is doing at Pursuit is contagious, and I love it so much. But just, we always talk so much about the need that, that we've got to be on mission first everywhere we go, that the goal is not to fill up our houses with people that are already saved, even though that's fun and we want to do that and we welcome anybody who knows the Lord into what God is doing here, of course, because we need more workers. The Bible says the harvest is there. We just need more workers. There's not enough workers. So uh, if you're a fellow worker, we would love to have you come to one of our house churches uh, here in Canton at Whitmer Avenue, uh, the one that I lead with my wife, uh, or to our brand new house church uh, on Deborah Court in Green uh, that is led by Kristen All and her husband Joe. Um, but the point of why we gather and why we exist as a church is that we wanted to be a community that would live on mission everywhere we go to everyone we meet. And so even this past week, as we celebrated the launch, brand new launch of a brand new church uh, in green, uh, we had to talk through for a moment, at least here at the Whitmer house, what this could feel like and what this uh, it could look like. And even though we were smaller in numbers, it doesn't mean we were any less mightier. The potential, excuse me, for multiplication and growth is immense 
because we have intentionally said we have to send people to another part of our area and we need to intentionally plant another church and another community of mission-minded people and we've got to spread the gospel and see the light of Christ shown in a greater area than just here in Canton. And so we challenge everybody that's a part of Pursuit Friends Church. And guys at Pursuit, I just, I'm so grateful that God has made you a part of our community and that we're a family and that we get to do this thing. We get to build the kingdom of God together. So thank you to all of the people that help with our kids' ministry, our kids' discipleship. Thank you to those that are baking and making food every week for our potluck uh, meals. So vitally important to our fellowship and our growth as a church and our community and sharing lives together. And thank you to all of the leaders, our network leadership team that uh, meets on a regular basis behind the scenes and our admin and finance team that meets on a regular basis behind the scenes. It just help things, help keep things going and making sure we're um, moving and working um, to the best of our ability to participate in the building of this eternal kingdom. Uh, and it's just a privilege to have you, and I love you guys all so much. And this week, I got to admit, I kind of felt like a proud dad who sent his kids off to college for the first time. It was sad yet exciting because there's a new chapter about to be unveiled and revealed, and great things are going to happen at the Deborah House Church there in Green. I'm just so proud of the Alls and the Bunnells and Stephen and Jay and Meredith and Caleb and, and anyone else who's going to ultimately join in with them uh, as they just are following God's heart for the lost and going for it. They're actually going out into the world and into a new community and neighborhood. So exciting things. We're really excited here at Pursuit Friends Church as we have just seen God's faithfulness continue to be revealed to us. And uh, I'm really excited because we um, are going to get back to something that we haven't been able to do the last couple months. We are going to have our next night of worship on Sunday, November the 7th at 4 p.m. That's a new time. And we're actually transitioning what we're calling our night of worship. It is indeed a night of worship. And anyone is welcome to come from our community, from other churches, friends, family, relatives, people we know. Anyone's welcome to come to these nights of worship. But we are relabeling them the family reunion. Because now that we have two house churches that are meeting on two separate times, uh, we really want these nights of worship to be kind of considered a family reunion. And uh, on these nights where we have the family reunion at Hartville Church of the Brethren, we're so thankful for Pastor Anthony uh, and uh, that church for welcoming us into their facility and and just being so hospitable to us and and partnering with us and we're all in this kingdom building effort together uh, and, and then also uh, Gentlebrook as well a, an amazing organization here in Hartville in Northeast Ohio that's doing amazing things uh, to minister to the needs of those with disability in our community but this family reunion 
uh, is special because it's a time for all of our house churches to come together once a month. And on that Sunday and on that week, we're asking our house churches not to gather regularly, but to make the family reunion that the highlight of that week's gathering. And we're going to meet at 4 o'clock. We're going to be in the sanctuary of Hartville Church of the Brethren. We're going to enjoy some corporate worship together. Uh, we'll have the team reunited again. It's been a couple months since we've all all been together at these nights of worship, and we're going to share communion together. And then after that, we're going to transition and go back into the gymnasium where we'll have tables and chairs set up and we'll be able to um, have our potluck fellowship dinner um, that evening. And we move the time to 4 p.m. because it's really important for us that uh, we make it as po- as easy as possible for families and people that like to get to bed a little earlier on Sunday evening because of work the next morning, um, that they have plenty of time to come and enjoy the worship and communion, but also hang around for an hour, maybe a couple hours uh, as they choose for the potluck fellowship dinner because that fellowship dinner is so important to what who our community is and what we do as a community together really living life together there's something spiritual that happens when you sit around a table and talk and share your lives over food it's biblical man uh it's a good thing for christians to do um and so we're excited for that and we're excited about our new deborah house church and i'm going to dive into the word here and hopefully wrap this around to what God is doing in our midst here at Pursuit. We are in the book of 1 Samuel, and we as a church are kind of guiding and leading our way up until Christmas time as we desire after Christmas in the new year to begin a study in the book of John about the life of Christ. Or we may jump through the Gospels here and there depending on um, excuse me, um, what what we want to point out and bring out of significance in the life of Christ. But we thought that this would be a great time to lead up to learning about Christ in the new year um, by kind of ending the year on David. So we're building up to that uh, to study David for a few weeks, and then we're going to get into a couple Psalms the last two Sundays in December. Uh, and uh, is this going to be grace? I really believe that God is going to show us some amazing things about who he is and his heart for us. Uh, and then in the new year, we're going to start it off right by dedicating ourselves to falling in love with Jesus, to, to really knowing who Jesus is and what he desires for us. So we studied this past week, both of our house churches did, um, 1 Samuel 8 uh, and 9-ish. Uh, and so that's the good thing about these house churches is we're going to be basically on the same passages each week, um, no matter which day of the week or time we meet. Uh, we desire to kind of stay unified in what we're learning as a movement and as a network. And uh, our house church here at Whitmer Avenue um, went did both eight and nine. And we had a really rich discussion and some cool things pointed out. So I have to draw that out for you. But to set the stage here, First Samuel uh, eight is when Israel comes to Samuel and says, "We want a king." Okay, the chapter just before this, we see some, we see the ark taken away from Israel in chapter six. We see it restored, or we see it brought back to Israel rather in chapter six. And then there's this stark 
kind of judging that Samuel does over Israel and warns them of some things and says, you've been disobedient, all that stuff, you know, and makes a sacrifice and all that. And the Philistines are subdued, it says in verse 13 of chapter 7, because of Samuel and how he was leading Israel. And then we see in chapter 8 a shift. So things are basically good. It's not that Israel is totally surrendered to God and and totally um, worshiping him alone, but things are good. The Philistines are subdued, it says. The Philistines have been a thorn in Israel's side for quite some time now. And yet here we come in chapter 8, just like we know Israel does all the way through the Exodus story. Things are good. God does miraculous thing. He's faithful. They repent. But yet here they come again. They're not satisfied. They're not happy. And they say, Samuel, um, we really want a king. But we see them confront Samuel at the beginning because Samuel kind of illegally made his son judges over Israel. Um, and they were not, it says in verse three of chapter eight, but his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes and perverted justice. Sound familiar? It's kind of like Eli and his sons. Hopefully we don't get a lot of details here about what Samuel's sons were doing as, as we did with Eli's sons, where they were totally abusing people and abusing their rights and and we see a little bit of that here, but it's not as long and detailed as it was with Eli's sons. But I think the people of Israel learned their lesson. They, they let it go on for so long, and then they confronted Samuel with it. And they say, what we really want is a king, in verse 5. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Man, take a minute and just think about that. Israel has the creator of the universe as their king, the creator of all things, a God who brought them out of slavery and bondage and has through time performed incredible, miraculous things to protect them and save them. And all God asks in return is that they follow him and obey him and worship no other gods. And uh, here they are saying, now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. There's this rejection of God's power and authority in his way that we see lived out and played out here in this passage. And you can imagine being in Samuel's situation, right? He has got to be frustrated, and God even encourages him and says, they've not rejected you in verse 7, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. And so it's interesting God encourages Samuel in this because Samuel's going, have I, have I not done enough? I just watched the movie Gladiator. Little bit different circumstances, but that great scene in Gladiator when he is fighting all of these men in the arena and, and working hard to stay alive and to show people things they've never seen before. Uh, he slaughters all of these men and the crowd is silent because they're just like, what, who is this man? And he yells, are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Man, I love that movie. It's got so many great moments in it like that. I can just imagine Samuel like, are, have I not done enough? Like, like, are you not saved from the Philistines? Are, you know, like, come on. 
and God encourages him. And so he says, but you must tell them what the behavior of the king will be who reigns over them. He's basically going to to enslave your people. He's going to raise up an army and force you to fight in it. You're you're going to have to pay taxes. Your your daughters are going to be taken. Um, there's all sorts of these things. He'll take your own servants, your finest young men, your donkeys. Holy cow! He'll make you work. He'll take a tenth of your sheep and. You will be his servants. And listen to this in verse 18. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. So, again, reading this from our level, from our position, our point of view, as we know the rest of the story, as we know the whole of God's word here, as given to us in the Bible, we can look at this and click our tongues and shake our heads and go, wow, Israel, come on, people, (laughs) get your act together. If you only knew what you were really asking for, I mean, they did because Samuel brings it out here, but how often are we in this exact same position here in America, wherever you're listening from, like like we, we know that what we follow after if it's not God is counterfeit, that it is less, that it's not as good, it's not as pleasing, that we won't be satisfied, yet we still choose other kings above God to serve in our lives. And here's the key word, verse 19 of chapter 8, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations. And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Do you hear the irony here? God has separated Israel from the rest of the world. He's called them by name. They are his chosen people. They are supposed to be different. All the books of the law, all the regulations and rules that exist that are not just moral rules to live life by, and to get along with fellow man by, it is, it is to set Israel apart. They are supposed to be strange. They are supposed to be different. And here they are saying, ah, we'd rather be just like everybody else. And isn't that the temptation for us today, Christians? Is that we have become so obsessed with being just like the world so that we can be relevant, so that we can, you know not be considered weird. We're so afraid of being laughed at and ridiculed and we're afraid that someone's going to disagree with us. Well, that's the nature of Christianity. It's something we own in order to be a Christ follower. We are, we are, what is it? Aliens in a strange land. We are, but passing through, we, we have to live in the world and and we, we, we have to endure and we have to sacrifice and we have to figure out how to survive and thrive on this earth. And God has called us to a very specific mission to go into all the world and make disciples. We are to interact with the world, not shut, a, or shut ourselves into our fancy buildings and have worship services our way and treat church and the kingdom of God as if we're eating at Burger King, having it be our way. And uh, we got to go. 
we got to be in the world, but not of the world. We, we have to be strange. We have to be a little bit different because we're counter to what the world teaches and what the world upholds and believes. We believe in sacrifice. We believe in loving our neighbors and even our enemies. And we believe in putting other people, other people's needs first and ahead of our own. We ought to be strange. May we be a church, Pursuit Friends Church, that never says, God, make us just like the world. God, make us stand out from the world so that our testimony and the power we have through you is made evident and that your power is evident so that when we go, people say, huh, they're different. We can't make Jesus look just like the world. That's not what the world needs. The world needs to see Jesus' followers who are radically saved and in love with him. I believe one of the reasons the gospel spreads so powerfully, besides just the power of the Holy Spirit and God's will and plan, is that the early believers were radical in their faith. They believed that Jesus was who he said he was, that he really died on the cross, that he really rose from the grave, and that he was really coming back for his church. And they believed that and lived that and preached that even unto death. All of the disciples suffered violent deaths. If they did not believe in Jesus Christ, why would they do that? They weren't becoming lavishly rich because of the gospel. They weren't filling their purses with gold coins every time they preached. They lived relatively humble lives with humble means, relying greatly on the charity of other people as they traveled and preached if this Jesus wasn't real, why would every single one of them and countless thousands in the early church allow themselves to be drug off to death for something that wasn't true in their hearts? We have to live out the gospel even if it means risking everything. And we can't be afraid of being different. We can't be a church that says, oh, God, just make us hip and cool so that we can maybe have some impact in our culture. Uh, we got to be okay with being different. I, I mean, we are because, I mean, look at us, right? <laughs> uh, we're different. We're doing the house church thing. You know, we're not seeking after a big, huge building. And that's fine if you are part of a church or want to be in a big building with a larger group. That's fine. But make sure you're going. Make sure you're living differently. Make sure you're actually impacting your neighbors and your coworkers and your classmates with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be different, church. Arise and be different. And so the people of Israel wanted a king to fight their battles. That was part of it. It seemed logical, right? They were looking at the Philistines. They've got a king. They're, they've got an army. Israel, when they they're needed to be defense of the land, they would have to gather the regular people up and fight. And there's there was this strange beauty in that, that God was fighting the battles for them, even though they didn't have trained armies and soldiers dedicated to this. They, they still rallied together as a nation and God helped them. 
And so Samuel heard, verse 21, all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to a city. In other words, prepare. Prepare. And then we get into chapter 9, and we're introduced to this character named Saul. Saul's got it all together, man. He's, he's got a lot going on for him. I read this in verse 2, and, and man, I'm a little jealous of Saul, right? Because I'm a five foot six, blonde-haired, pale-skinned, blue-eyed guy, uh, a little chubby. Uh, I'm not taller than anybody. My kids, I'm convinced, are both going to be taller than me, ultimately, and here's, here's what it says about Saul, verse 2 of chapter 9. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. <laughs> and there was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Saul stood out. He was handsome. He was good looking and he was tall. Some of my best friends in life have been way taller than me, which is awesome when you want to play basketball and you got tall friends. That's fantastic. But I'm just saying Saul was really tall. And so from the world's point of view, Saul was the right man for this job. How could they go wrong with Saul, right? And then we see this incredible thing where the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost in verse 3. And we see uh, that he asked Saul and a servant to go with them. And so they're looking around and then someone says, hey, Saul, there's this prophet, this seer um, who is holy and you should go see him. And uh, so they go see uh, Samuel and God brings and works all these crazy things together and Samuel sees perfectly what's going on and God coordinates and ordains all the steps. And even though the people want a king, God still works together for the good. And he says that I've got a plan. And even though Israel is making a mistake here, God says, I still got a plan for my people because they're my children. They're my chosen ones. And I still love them. And so God begins to orchestrate this meeting between Samuel and Saul. And we see some early humility here from Saul. But it's still early, right? It's before he's actually anointed. And we see this, that that Samuel s- says to Saul, hey, uh, uh, this is what's going to happen. And Saul answers in verse 21, says, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Early humility in Saul's life. This would soon change, though, as we know. Again, we've got the 10,000-foot-high approach here. We can see everything that's going to happen. But again, this this kind of has to encourage Samuel. He's like, all right, maybe maybe the Saul guy is okay. Maybe this will work out, or at least God will work this out. But man, Samuel, <laughs> what a tough job as a prophet and, and as the leader of Israel. We see in the next chapter that Saul becomes anointed as king. 
Church, we have to be very careful here. And I feel this in my spirit. I felt this a little bit Sunday, but right now as I'm recording this podcast, I'm really feeling pushed by the Holy Spirit to just say this to us. That we have to be really careful who we worship as king and what we're seeking for in that kingship. And we have to be careful that as a church and us as network leadership and as a movement of house churches, that we don't judge good leaders by just simply their outside persona and image and what we see that's only a shell of what a person really is on the inside. We should care about character so much more than we care about good looks, even about experience and knowledge. As we move forward as a church, God is challenging us, and this is what I shared at the Whitmer House Church. Who is our king? Who do we really serve? We've taken great strides and we've grown so much as a community as we've engaged in mission and really made this our passion in our heart. And we talk a lot about we don't just want to fill a room with unbelievers and or with believers. We do want to fill the room with unbelievers. Actually, I misspoke there. That would be glorious as people come to hear about Jesus and come to know him. But we, it's not about just filling our houses with people and then saying, okay, we have too much people, so now let's multiply. It's It's let's multiply when God tells us to and when there's a new community and a new neighborhood that can be reached with the gospel. And I've got a burning desire in my heart to lead a new work, to start something new in my neighborhood and in my community for the sake of the gospel so that the gospel can go forth. This is really important. Who is our king, Pursuit Friends Church? And if you're listening to this, wherever you're listening from, from wherever you are in the world today, who do you really serve? Who is your one true king? Is it really Jesus Christ or is it your bank account? Is it really Jesus Christ or is it the car you drive or the clothes you wear, the house you live in or which part of town you live in or the job you have? Who is really king of your life? And who do you really serve? As a church, we say that we serve Jesus Christ, the one true king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Lord of all. And we will have no other gods before us. No other gods before him. And that can be hard sometimes because we live in a society uh, that's very based on material gain and possessions and um, status. And uh, it used to be, I heard this in a podcast just this past week, that it used to be the status of wealth in America was um, how, how much you were able to spend in leisure time, whether you were at the beach in a swimming suit holding a cocktail in your hands or you know, recreating. Recreation was the sign of of wealth. Now it seems like the sign of wealth is how busy we are, what type of job we have, and which part of town we live in. And so things have shifted dramatically in that. But we need to see, but excuse me, we need to 
really focus in. I feel God is calling me as the lead pastor of Pursuit Friends Church to challenge us today. Who is our real king? And are there still idols in our life? Are there other kings in our lives still that will keep us from really embracing the mission of God? And here's what I challenged our house church at Whitmer to do this week. Is that if Jesus is really king and really Lord, then we will follow him even unto death. That's how important this mission is. That's how great this kingdom is. And that's how much we should love Jesus Christ and in turn love our neighbors as ourselves is that we have a burning desire and passion, whether we're extrovert or introvert, whether we're good with people or not, whether we are ease, whether it's easy for us to strike up a conversation or not. There has to be a passion burning inside each and every one of us that says, I cannot be silent for the sake of the gospel. I love my neighbors too much. I love my coworkers too much. I love God so much that I want to obey him and live on mission and go into all the world and preach the gospel. The children of Israel here in 1 Samuel 8 and 9 were forsaking the kingship of God in this moment for what they thought was better for them. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Let's make sure, Pursuit Friends Church, that we are laser-focused on Jesus Christ as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That he is the reason we do everything. He's the reason we wake up in the morning. He's the reason we go to work. He's the reason we hang out with our kids. He's the reason for everything. And that as we enjoy life, and we should enjoy life on this earth, hopefully you enjoy your job. Hopefully you enjoy being living where you do with your family and can enjoy family activities and your hobbies and sports and recreation and your favorite television shows, all of those things. It's okay to enjoy them, to, to live life and to enjoy what God has given us so abundantly. But make sure that we don't lose sight of the mission. Make sure that what really gets us going every day is, Lord, who do I get to talk to today about you? Or how can I live today in a way that's going to challenge and encourage someone else today that I might come in contact with? That they need a Savior just like I do. Let's go into all the world pursuit. As we are now in the city of Canton, in the city of Green, And as in the near future, we'll have a third house church. I'm so excited for that. Let's make sure that we're living as people who are under the kingship of Jesus Christ and that we will serve no other gods before him, that we won't even think about or desire other things that are way lesser than the God of all the universe. Let's learn from this passage of 1 Samuel 8 and 9, and let's do what our name says, and let's truly pursue God with abandon and passion everywhere we go, with everyone we meet, all the time. In Jesus' name, amen. Step into you.